Acts chapter 1, verse 8. Very popular form of scripture. Let's get your Bibles out. Come on. Get your word out. How many excited for the word? Get your Bibles out. We're going to flip through a lot of scriptures. So those of you who are teachers in here, you're going to love it today because I'm going to give you lots of scriptures. And uh, here we go. Acts chapter 1, verse 1 through 8 in the NLT. You could take notes. There's going to be several points on the screen. But I pray this provokes you today that everywhere you go, in your job, at Publix, at 7-Eleven, that you will have a culture to share your faith. In my first book, I told you, Theopolis, about everything Jesus began to do and teach until the day he was taken up to heaven after giving his chosen apostles further instructions through the Holy Spirit. During the 40 days after he suffered and died, this is Luke, by the way, uh, writing this in the book of Acts, he appeared to the apostles from time to time and he proved to them in many ways that he was actually alive. Come on, say amen. And he talked to them about the kingdom of God. Now I want you to see a theme that I'm going to highlight here. Once we, once when he was eating with them, he commanded them, this is he talking about Jesus, do not leave Jerusalem until the Father sends you the gift he promised as I told you before. John baptized with water, but in just a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Everybody say Holy Spirit. Say Holy Spirit. Now this is a classic scripture that people use when they're talking about the Holy Spirit, and I get it. It's supposed to be a good one, right? But I'm using the scripture because I want to, to open up your eyes to the greater role of the Holy Spirit. So when the apostles were with Jesus, they kept asking him. Now, again, I'm reading from the NLT. So if you don't have NLT, the, the reason I picked NLT is because how it reads at the end. Lord, quote, has the time come for you to free Israel and restore the kingdom? He replied, the Father alone has the authority to set those dates and times, and they are not for you to know. Look at verse 8. Here's the key. But you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. Look at me, look at me, look at me. We've quoted that a million times, haven't we? And we've quoted this a million times when it comes to the promises of I'm going to walk in authority. I'm going to cast out demons. I'm going to heal. All that is correct about the Holy Spirit. But look what it says right after he says the Holy Spirit will come upon you. Look at this. Look at this. And you will be my witnesses. Look at this. Telling people about me everywhere not li listen listen in jerusalem through judea in samaria watch this and to the ends of the earth last time i checked the ends of the earth were outside of jerusalem the ends of the earth was not only in jerusalem and it wasn't in judea only the role of the holy spirit is to give us the power and the boldness to do a lot of things but one main thing Talk about Jesus everywhere. It says telling people about him everywhere. Say, say, say this with me. Say the Holy Spirit comes upon the believer to give us boldness to talk about Jesus everywhere we go. Do you hear that this is not just a message for evangelists? If you're, you're going to get anything out of this message today, do not tune me out because you say that this is not for you. I'm here to tell you, there was a person years ago who we were talking about the need to share our faith. We were talking about the lost art of evangelism in the local church. We, have ta we talked about the lost art of sharing our faith at a McDonald's, sharing our faith at a restaurant, sharing our faith. Come on, can you agree with me? We have lost the art to talk about Jesus because 
because we're so consumed about our needs that we forget that someone is going to hell if we don't share Jesus with them. We have forgotten that people are actually lost. And I can't stand when Christians don't see that. And, there's, and, and Christian comes with these pompous attitude. Well, they're late and, they're, and my food is not ready. And they're, they're complaining to a worldly person. And then they're trying to say, God bless you in the, in the, in the receipt. And I was talking to someone years ago, and they said, well, Pastor George, that's fine, but that's just really not my calling. My calling is more pastoral, and I have every right to say I agree with him because I'm a pastor. And you know what I said? I stayed silent for a couple of seconds, and I heard the Holy Spirit say, say this. I said, you're right. It's not your calling. It's a command for every believer. <laughs> he goes, yeah, yeah that, uh, yeah, that too. No, 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 no. I said, you are excluding yourself from talking about Jesus because you think it's only for a select few people when it's for every believer in the body of Christ. Now, I'm going to tell you something that is really I important because I'm going to break down evangelism and, um, and, um, and outreach real simply in a few minutes of what that means. But in Scripture, when we talk about Scripture, listen to me. I feel fired up today for some reason, I'm telling you. If, if, listen, one of the reasons that we search the scriptures out, please listen to me, is not only so that we could get instructions about our personal life and how to live right, right? But sometimes we have to search the scriptures to actually imitate the lifestyle and the patterns of the early church and how the early church looked like and how a New Testament church looks like. Why? Because we're a New Testament church and we look so different than the early church did. Not only in power, not only in conviction, but in our proclamation of the gospel. In our proclamation of the gospel, I want to tell you something. If you search the scriptures, the early church, when they got converted, they started immediately. And I'm going to share this with you. Immediately talking to Jesus about everybody, about everywhere you go. And not one time in the Bible when you see this reality happening, does it, does it say, and the evangelist did it, and the evangelist did it, and the gifted speaker did it. And it says every time they got encountered by God, immediately they told Jesus everything. Look at the woman, the, 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 the person that got freed and started telling the, the ten cities, Decapolis, that means 10 cities, when they encounter, when she encountered Jesus, she told everybody. How about the woman at the well? When she encountered Jesus, she told everybody, hey, look at what Jesus did. Look what he just prophesied. I mean, he may be the Messiah. Do you realize that an encounter with Jesus is the qualification for evangelism? That is the qualification for it. So I'm telling people about Jesus and demonstrating acts of kindness and love, which is outreach. If that was expected and a reality in the early church, then I want that to be a core value in my life and in our church. We cannot, I repeat, we cannot say that our personalities is introvert, so that's why I don't talk to people about Jesus. You know, I could be rich for how many times I've heard people say that. It's just not my personality. I don't like to talk about Jesus, uh, uh, you know, uh, uh, to people. And I'm going to share with you in just a moment that w that evangelism is more than just letting your light shine and be silent and be a, and be a witness. Let me just tell you this to pop a lot of people's bubble, and I'm going to I'm going to prove it in Scripture in just a moment. Okay, there's so many people that are spiritual, like I said last week, but it's not very biblical, and they say things like this when it comes to evangelism. They say, "Well." I just let in my job, I let my light shine, and I don't have to say a word, and my character will be my witness. I said, that's good when it comes to your character, but it's not biblically true when it comes to evangelism. 
And I'm, gonna, I'm going to prove it to you scripturally so you don't have to be like, well, wait a minute. No, when it comes to your character, we want people to see your lifestyle, right? There's this famous quote that says, be a witness and if necessary, use words. And that is good when you're talking about your godly character, how they see you respond to conflict, how they see you full of peace and full of joy. All that is good. But when it comes to evangelism, that is not biblically true. Why? Let me first tell you what uh, evangelism is and, and, and what outreach is. Let's put, that, let's put that, uh, the, the second slide up. I know that I missed the first slide, but the, the second slide is on evangelism. Evangelism is the action. Say the action. Of telling people, everybody say telling people, about the good news of the gospel of Jesus that he brings salvation to humanity through the work of the cross. By the way, this is a PG definition. That's why there's a lot of run-on sentences, right? It's a long sentence. This evangelism is the action, the action of telling people about the good news of the gospel that Jesus brings salvation to humanity means when it comes to uh, the actual uh, Greek word or the, the biblical term of evangelism. It is, it is the declaration or the speaking of the gospel. What is the gospel? The good news. So evangelism then is one who brings good news of salvation through Jesus by means of speaking and declaring. Listen, by means of speaking and declaring. So there's the message and there's the action. There's the message and the action. Now, now watch this. Look at this third slide up. I'm going fast because I know there's a lot of scriptures. Effective and biblical evangelism is primarily, come on, using what? Your mouth. Say my mouth. Say my mouth. Say my words. To proclaim and declare to others their need for Jesus. Look at me. Look at me. Some people, okay, maybe you could take it. There's a, the fire alarm. Sorry. No, nothing's wrong. Nothing's wrong. I'm like, What? It's just a little battery thing. We could take care of that. Everybody say, my mouth is needed for evangelism. Listen, listen, listen please listen to this. I'm going to make it very simple. If, if someone is lost, all right, and I just pass by them. Come here, Elio. Come here. Come here, Elio. Let's say Eliel is someone that doesn't know the Lord, right? And every day I go to work with him, and I never say anything to him about Jesus, he know, I know that he doesn't know the Lord because he's told me before. Now watch this. Don't say anything, right? If I don't say anything, watch what happens to him. Look at this big revelation. He is not getting the benefit of me telling him what Jesus did on the cross as an excuse as a Christian that all I have to do is be a witness by my lifestyle. When it comes to salvation, according to Romans, it all has to be about the confession of the heart and the words of your mouth. We have disqualified the, the evangelism of Jesus Christ based on our personality or based on making it easy for us that all we have to do is just live a quiet life and never say anything to anybody. But I'm going to tell you, thank you, Elio. You'll get saved in a moment in the name of Jesus. <laughs> Watch this. I'm going to give you lots of scripture. Are you ready? I'm going to prove it to you now scripturally. Here it goes. So you Bible scholars, 
follow with me in the Bible and I want you to see a thread, a common denominator that evangelism is impossible if you don't open up your mouth. It's very simple. It's not just your lifestyle. Please don't, don't disqualify you sharing your faith because it's not your calling, it's not your personality, or it's not your thing. God wants you to proclaim Jesus everywhere. As a matter of fact, if you're a New Testament believer and you have the Holy Spirit upon you, that means you should have boldness to tell people about Jesus everywhere. Listen, watch this. 1 John chapter 1, popular scripture that's going to be on the screen. 1 John chapter 1, verse 1. How many are getting something this morning? Verse 1 through 4, I pray that you, uh, listen, if everyone just gets this for a little bit, this church will have to go two, t two services. Why? Because people everywhere will start talking about Jesus and they'll get converted and they'll need a church to grow. The reason why there's very little church growth in America is because there's very little speaking about Jesus in America. It's about coming to church instead of coming to Jesus. Come on. It, it, you don't get saved coming to church. You get saved by coming to Jesus. It's like we have the greatest uh, secret of all. If, if you had the cure for cancer and you didn't say anything to the millions of people who are dying of cancer, would you not feel a little guilty knowing I had the answer the whole time? You and I have the answer to humanity's sin and addiction and problem is the person of Jesus Christ, the gospel of Jesus the good news. What is the good news? That he died for you, rose on the third day, and now your sins are forgiven and you have eternal life with him. When's the last time we led someone to Jesus? Listen to this. Look at 1 John chapter, sorry, John chapter 1, verse, 1 John chapter 1, verse 1. I, I think I made, a, uh, I, I made a mistake, so it's 1 John, sorry. It's not, it's not John 1. I, I made a mistake. 1 John chapter 1. I believe it's first John because I do. First John chapter 1, verse 1 uh, in, in the NLT. If you could have that back there, it says, We proclaim to you the one who existed from the beginning. Look at this. Whom we have heard and seen, we saw him with our eyes, with our own eyes, and we touched him. Listen to this. We touched him with our own hands. He is the word of life. Now watch this. It's not on the screen, but it's in 1 John chapter 1, 1 through 4 in the NLT. This one who is life itself was revealed to us, and we have seen him. Watch this. And now we testify, watch this, and proclaim to you that he is the one, eternal life. Everybody say proclaim. What do you got to do when you proclaim? What do you got to do when you proclaim? What is Proclaim. That means speaking, right? He was with the Father and then he was revealed to us. We proclaim to you what we ourselves have actually seen. Okay? Now jump over to Romans chapter 10. I'm going to, I'm going to have you, you're going to have wrist muscles today. You're going to, your, 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 your hand is going to be strong because you're going to be flipping. Look at Romans chapter 10, verse 10. When you're there, say amen. Romans chapter 10, verse 10 through 15. Look at the NLT. It's going to be on the screen. For it is by believing in your heart that you are made right with God. And it is by, it is by, it is by, wait, 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 what? Openly declaring, openly declaring by your faith that you are saved. So your heart you believe, but even to receive Jesus, you got to open up your mouth. By openly declaring, right? Now watch this. And the scripture tells us anyone who trusts in the Lord will never be disgraced. Hallelujah for that. 
Jews and Gentiles are the same in this respect. They have the same Lord who gives generously to all who call for him. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Oh, come on, church. And how, oh, I love this, can they call on him to save them unless they believe in him? And how can they believe in him if they have never heard him? Do you see that you just can't justify evangelism by just living a good, quiet life and never opening at your mouth? You can never justify the need to not share your faith because of your personality, because you're an introvert, because that's not your calling. Whatever you may put an excuse, I'm here to tell you, the Bible says this. And how can they believe in him if they never heard? No, keep that verse back up. Who they never heard about him. And how can they hear about him unless someone... Come on, come on, say it with me. And how can they believe until, unless someone what? Come on, shout it with me. Tells, tells them. Now, I want you to notice, where in there does it say evangelist? Where in there does it say the spiritual leaders of the church? Where in there does it say the extroverted personality people? Where in there does it say the, those who are gifted in teaching? No. It says, how can they hear unless someone tells them that's right you are someone say that with me say I am someone say I am that someone that someone is not just gifted teachers please tell me we will evangelize the world if all we do is one person gets out of our bubble, loves Jesus so much that we're in, a, we're in a dinner table and we look at a waitress and we have compassion on her and we start telling her about Jesus. Or we're in a drive-thru and we start telling about Jesus. You're like, oh, G, you know, PG, you're extreme. You don't do that all the time. I may not do it all the time, but I know enough of conviction that the Lord will nudge me. There was a time where I came out of service not too long ago and the presence of God was, was on me. And, in this, and I went to a drive-thru and I'm just, I'm just like... I didn't have a care in the world. You know those times where you don't have a care in the world because you just got blasted at church, right? You know, and, and I'm just like, and this, true story, this lady, she gives me my, my in, a, in a drive-thru, she gives me my bag, and I said, thank you so much. God bless you. Just, that's all I said. She goes, you're glowing. <laughs> no lie. No, no lie. She goes, you're glowing. I said, and, and you know what? The, mo the, the normal person would have been like, wow, well, thank you. Wow, I, wow, I don't know. Wow. I use that as an open door. Ah, she sees something in me. So I said, you know why? It's Jesus that's in me. I said, he is the one who gives you peace. He gives you the glow. Come on, he gives you that glow up. Come on, girls. Come on, ladies. You got that glow up. Yeah, yeah, that, it's not makeup, baby. It's Jesus, the presence of God on you. You want glow up? Get Jesus up on you. I, I, I thought that would have got more amens, but it's okay. How can they hear until they hear? Now watch this, watch this. In a recent study, right, 80% of people, 80% of Christians surveyed believe that they have a personal responsibility to share their faith. Hear me, hear me. 80% of the people Christians surveyed believe they have a personal, personal responsibility. In other words, they actually admit it's not the pastor's job only. It's not the evangelist. They, they, they actually agree, I have a personal responsibility to share my faith. 60% out of those that believe that they have a personal responsibility have, have said in the survey that they have not spoken or said anything to anybody about Jesus in a year's time. In one year's time. 
60, this is statistic, not me. Statistics have shown that even when you know what is right, that we don't do it. What does that say? What does that say? What that means is that the majority of Christians in the body of Christ have a biblical understanding of what to do, but fail in their application of doing it. I would dare to say 80% of our community here that I love very much, we all know we have a personal responsibility to talk about Jesus. But we talk about our calling, we talk about our dreams, we talk about our careers, we talk about our ambitions, we talk about our love for one another, and you know what? We fail to tell people about Jesus. You know, I'm going to go old school in it right now for just a second. Uh, this, this old school, some of you may think it's old school teaching, but let me just say this because it's not my notes. You know what Ezekiel says? If you don't warn them, their blood is in your hands. That, that's the fear of the Lord. If, if I have a, I'm not telling you you have to do it to every, everybody in the world. Just this fear of influence that you're in. If you, think, think about you working in a job for 15 years and the, your coworker that you have lunch with or your coworker that, that you do business with never once heard you tell the name of Jesus to them. Let that convict you. Conviction is good. It's the goodness of the Lord that leads us to repentance. So if you're feeling conviction, that means the Holy Spirit wants you to open your mouth. Actually, he placed you there for a reason. Because you may think you're there, oh, glory to God. You may think you're there because you got a paycheck. But you actually are there for more than a paycheck. God sent someone that's about to commit suicide. Someone sent someone there that's about to do something. And there's a light in that that place that he says, if you go to this job, I have a son and daughter that I believe can open up their mouth and give you hope. You're, you're in, your, in your neighborhood for more than just a nice house. I'm going to throw my notes away because none of this isn't here. You're, you're in your neighborhood for more than just a dream. You're there to affect your region. Christians should be a ticking time bomb for the Lord. Oh, come on. I'm going to preach to this side right here. L listen, listen. When Jesus came off the boat and he was going to the island of the Gadarenes, I believe that one is in Mark chapter 5. Again, this is not in my notes, but I'm just going to let loose for a second. He didn't announce that he was there. He just, his foot touched the island and the island was charged with the presence of God. The demoniac came to him. You, if I'm the devil, I'd be like, stay oh, far away from that glory, right? The, the island was charged. The demoniac came to him and fell and worshipped him. And you know what? Jesus eventually uh, delivered that person that had a legion of demons. You know what that tells me? No amount of demonic stronghold could stop people from coming to Jesus. No amount of bondage. No amount of darkness. If if. It's not like Jesus said, hey, I'm here. The Son of God is here. Where are you at, demoniac? Oh, there you are. Come over here. No, he stood and he got off the boat. And as soon as the foot touched that island, the demon said, something is here that is different uh-oh, I'm about to lose this soul right here. I'm about to lose this soul that I have had captive. And it just wasn't one. It was about 6,000 demons in this man. And Jesus was able to rebuke it all and restore him. Effective and powerful fruits of outreach and evangelism must be connected to the power and person of the Holy Spirit. 
Everybody say Holy Spirit. That scripture in Acts chapter 1 verse 8. Oh, are you feeling the fire of God here today? That scripture in Acts chapter 1 verse 8. Let's read it again, right? You don't have to turn to it, but let's read it again. And you will receive power, right? Everybody say power. When the Holy Spirit comes upon you, right? And then you will be what? All right, so I know a lot of you that have studied the scripture know this, but several of you don't know this. The, the Greek word for witnesses there is the word martis, M-A-R-T-Y-S, where we get the word martyr, and all you have to do is change the S and the R. That Greek word, watch this, that Greek word for martyr is this, and I wept, even though I knew this, I wept when I saw the, the Greek definition of witness. Are you ready for this? Watch this. Those that are willing to prove the strength and genuineness of their faith by violent death. This is the Greek, the Greek definition of the word martis or martyr, which is witness. We think, and you shall have power, and you shall be witnesses. We think that that only means that he's going to give us power to be a witness, to tell people about Jesus, and then go home. No, the Holy Spirit actually says, I'm going to give you power to speak boldly about the name of Jesus without flinching at the fear of death when they start persecuting you because of the name of Jesus. You're not going to flinch. That kind of power is going to enable you to be okay with dying a brutal death and not denying the name of Jesus because of the power of the Holy Spirit to fuel you to be that witness. I heard a phrase a long time ago, a dead person already died. Guess what? That's why you overcome the devil. In, Re in Revelation chapter 12, I believe, by the blood of the Lamb, the word of the testimony, watch this, and not loving your life to the death. The Holy Spirit actually empowers you to not love your life. Oh, you know why you're in trouble? Because you, uh, I'm going to get in trouble with this. You, you, you're holding on to your life too long. The Bible says he who loves his life will lose it. He who loses his life will gain it. In other words, are you willing to be obedient to the Lord and say, I am not flinching and I'm not afraid of death. Do you know that persecution that's coming, that actually fueled evangelism? The persecution actually fueled evangelism. It fueled outreach. Do you know that persecution is not in America? You coming in, uh, your mom telling you that you need to come home at 11 o'clock when, when you want to stay at 12. That's not persecution. I'm getting, peachy, I'm getting persecuted. Why? My boss doesn't give me a raise because, I, no, 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 no. That's not persecution. You know the Bible says, blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness sake and for his sake. Guess what happens? That's what happens. When you start talking about Jesus, all hell starts going to break loose. Because the enemy knows that there is no other name given on heaven or on earth by which man shall be saved. The name of Jesus. There is no other name. There's no other name like. Come on, Christina, help me. That was, that was your cue. She's like, you're going to see him by yourself. I don't know. The role of the Holy Spirit is to make us, are you ready? To a place. I'm going to translate it in English. The word witness means what? Word witness, witness means what? So let's put that all together. And you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you'll be able to withstand violent death to proclaim and hold on to your faith. Which means... Nothing shall deter you 
from the person of Jesus, not even threats of death. That's what the Holy Spirit will do when he gets a hold of you. So don't tell me that you don't have power. Don't tell me that you don't have an anointing. Don't tell me that you don't have victory. We're more afraid of someone that doesn't have demonic powers than Jesus, the one who could do all things. I want you to look at Paul. I want you to look at two stories of Paul. When he, when he got saved, I want you to see the culture of the early church. Because see, I'm going to get in trouble about this, but it's okay. We think we have to wait two years after we get saved to go through all these classes. I believe in classes. I believe, I believe in training. Let, let me tell you. But there's no place in the scripture that says you have to wait two years in order for you to share your faith. Come on, somebody. Say, the apostle Paul, I'm going to show you, the Bible says immediately he was obedient to evangelizing. Look at Acts chapter 26. Oh, come on, say amen. Are you getting stirred this morning? Watch this, watch this. Lots of scriptures, but I'm going to, I'm going to share with you. Acts chapter 26, verse 13. Say amen when you're there. Say, oh, that was two. Say amen when you're there. Acts chapter 26, verse 13. Now, this is Paul the apostle. I'm going to give you two versions, right, of what he's saying happened to him as a culture of right after he got saved. L listen to me. Listen to me. When we first got saved, we were so much more inclined to tell people about Jesus than after we've been saved for five, six, seven, ten years. Why is it that when we first got saved, it's a natural reflex to tell people about Jesus. And after we've been serving the Lord for a long time, it has come to a complete zero or silence in our life. Why is that? Is it because, is it because we've lost the fire? Is it, be, is it because we've lost some sort of revelation? Let me tell you something. This is gripping me. I should, I should be, if I'm more on fire now, that means I should be speaking more about Jesus than I was when I first got saved. Look at this. At midday, O king, this is Paul. He's telling his story. Along the road, I saw a light from heaven, O glory to God, brighter than the sun, shining around me and those who journeyed with me. And when, he, and when we had all fallen to the ground because of the light, I heard a voice speaking to me. Now watch this. Saying in the Hebrew language, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? It is hard for you to kick against the goes. In other words, you can't win. I'm too strong. I'm too fast. You will never outrun me, right? So I said, who are you, Lord? And he said, I am Jesus who you are persecuting. Now watch this. As he's getting encountered, this is hilarious to me. I looked at this and I was like, oh my God. But rise and stand on your feet for I have appeared to you for this purpose. To make you a minister and a witness. Wait, wait, wait. He's being encountered. You know what that looks like today when you get encountered? This is how most people, you get encountered in a conference or you get encountered by God in church. You're like, son, I love you. I know, I know. You're coming back to me. I know. Or daughter, I love you. You hear the voice of the Lord. You're getting encountered and you're crying. Most people, when they're getting encountered, does not actually reveal the reason why you're getting encountered at that same time. The Paul the Apostle is getting encountered. The light shone from heaven. And he goes, I'm appearing to you. Why, why he's getting encountered? I'm appearing to you so that I can teach you that you're going to be a witness for me. You're going to be a witness for Jesus, right? Now watch this. It continues. Both of the things which you have seen and are the things which you have yet revealed to you, I will deliver you from the Jewish people as well as from the Gentiles to whom I now send to you to open their eyes in order to return them from darkness to light. Now watch this. Skip, uh, skip down to that last verse. Therefore, King Agrippa, this is Paul, I was not disobedient to heavenly vision, but immediately declared first to the Damascus and to Jerusalem and throughout all the region of Judea, 
that uh, the Gentiles that we should repent, turn to God, and do the first roots of, of repentance. Now look at me. Right after Paul the Apostle got encountered. Say right after. He didn't wait three months or three years for a school to go through. I know I'm going to get in trouble, but there's a balance. I want you to get training. I want you to get training. But when it comes to personal evangelism, to share your story. Listen, if all you know is three, John 3.16, use John 3.16. If all you know is God is love. I don't know. I just got saved yesterday. But the feeling I got, he washed me clean. If all you know is he saved me by his grace, share what you know. Can I hear an amen? Now, now, now Paul does this. Now, I'm, gonna give you a, a, I'm giving you this so that you know that immediately after they got saved, they started evangelizing. It got quiet up in here. I said immediately after they got saved, I'm going to say it slow because some of you guys are not getting it right now. Immediately after they got encountered by God, they started talking about Jesus everywhere. What has happened to the American church? Why are we not talking more about Jesus? Why are we talking more about politics? Why are we talking more uh, about, uh, why are we talking more about our agendas? Why are we talking more, why aren't we talking more about Jesus in the platforms that we have? Why? Because we're so used to the culture changing us instead of us being the culture of the kingdom. You could either have the culture of the day or the culture of the kingdom. So you, here, watch this. Now look at Acts chapter 9. Well, actually, no, let, let's look at that slide because this is a gangster slide. I think this is a gangster slide. It's a long, it's a long slide, but look at this, right? You can take a picture of this. Though training and classes are necessary for maturity... And for leadership positions in the church, there's no time limit given in Scripture for when we should start talking to people about Jesus. Although training, notice I'm not excluding that, right? And, and classes are necessary for discipleship, for maturity. There's no time limit given in Scripture for when we should start talking to people about Jesus. Now you say, where, are that, where is that specifically in Scripture? I'm glad you asked. Because in Acts chapter 9, Acts chapter 9, just for the doubters out there, Acts chapter 9, Paul now, we see not him talking about his encounter. Now we see him going through the encounter. Now I want you to see it from this angle. Everybody say immediately. Everybody say immediately. Now don't answer because I don't want you to be embarrassed. But are you doing the immediately? Are you, how long have you been walking with the Lord? 20 years? When's the last time you talked to somebody about Jesus? Watch this. Look at this. And Ananias went his way and entered the house and laying his hands on him. Wait, is that the one? Yeah, sorry, it is. It is. Laying hands on him, he said, Brother Saul, the Lord. Now, remember, this is after the encounter. I'm, I'm, I'm kind of putting it all together. So in Acts chapter uh, uh, 26 where we read, it's ta he's talking about his whole encounter. Acts chapter 9 is picking up after his encounter, right? He's got blind for three days. The light of the glory of God blinded Saul. So he was blind for three days, right? So this brother came and said, Ananias, and, he's, and the Lord says, hey, Ananias, I want you to pray for Saul, Paul, right? Because I'm going to use him for my kingdom. Now watch. Brother Paul, brother Saul, the Lord Jesus who appeared to you. Isn't this beautiful? He's blind. God sends a messenger. The Lord who appeared to you on the road as you came has sent me that you may receive your sight and be filled with the Holy Spirit. Now get this. He was still in like day two or three, right? So he's still fresh from this encounter, right? There's not like a six-month 
uh, class period in order for him to say anything about Jesus, okay? I want you to say this because personal evangelism needs to be on the rise uh, for, for, for the hour to come because we could actually hasten the Lord's return through the proclamation of the gospel. Thank you for that two amens. Immediately there fell from his eyes something like scales, and he received his sight at once. And he rose and was baptized. Look at verse 19. So when he had received food, he was strengthened. Then Saul spent some days with the disciples at Damascus. Now look at verse 20. Immediately he preached the Christ in the synagogues. That he is a son of God. Now, I, I know what some of you guys are thinking. Well, he was a theologian, which is kind of true. I mean, he, he knew this, the, the, the scriptures. But he, he was so thwarted by the law that he, his, his view of the scriptures were very skewed, right? So what I'm saying, when he got encountered by the Lord, the Bible says immediately he began to preach Christ. You know, I hear the lie in my spirit. I'm just waiting till I get more mature. I'm just waiting till I get more trained. Yes, we need training. Yes, I believe in all that. But do not use that as an excuse for your personal evangelism of the gospel. People around you are dying. And here we are complaining because our AC broke or we don't have our food in time. Now, I love this. I love this. this I wrote this little quote down. Now, watch this. This is going to be so simple yet so powerful. The only, put that slide up. The only qualification, listen, to witness, the only qualification, is important to remember that the only qualification for evangelism and outreach is being a Christian. <laughs> I heard a man of God years ago say, the only failure in witnessing is failure to witness. The only failure, this is, I believe is Bill Bright, the only failure in witnessing is failure to witness. In other words, there is no, uh, you did it the wrong way and, and all this stuff. I, I get that there's strategies to do it better. I get that. But you know, when I first got saved, I was so, uh, I was trying to memorize like the four spiritual laws. How many are old with me like that? The four spiritual laws by Bill Bright. How many are, are with me that? So there was, wow, nobody? Okay. Um, <laughs> But like, I've never heard that in my life. Bill Bright, a giant of the faith, he had this little pamphlet called the Four Spiritual Laws. And it was like how to walk someone, you know, like the Romans road, how to walk someone through salvation. And I would, instead of talking about what Jesus did to me, I was trying to memorize a script. And I was like, yes, because, you know, we're all sinners and, and we, um, uh, Jesus died on the cross for you. And, and because he did that, we have eternal life with him. And it just, it didn't, it didn't seem real. But when I started focusing on what Jesus did for me, let me tell you something, my friends. Let me tell you something. You, here's the good thing about a testimony. You don't got to break down the Greek. You don't got to break down the Hebrew. You don't got to be very smart. All you have to say, once I was lost, now I'm found. Now I was blind and now I see. You don't have to be deep to share a testimony about what. So when I started telling people about what God did in my life and cleansed me from all my sin, I didn't have it all theologically together. I couldn't put all the scriptures together, but it was enough for Jesus to use my words to bring people to the Lord. Come on, say amen. I'm going to be real quick, and then I'm going to have the worship team here. I'm going to be real quick, okay? Re why don't people share their faith or seek to, to, to reach people with acts of love? I'm going to share four quick things, and then I'm going to, then I'm going to uh, wrap it up, okay, after these four things. Number one, I want to go real quick with this because, honestly, I'm just tired of uh, fear touches everything. Intimidation and fear touches everything, right? I know it's a little bit late. Just give me a couple more minutes here. 
One of, one of the reasons that people don't witness is because of intimidation and fear. Can I hear an amen? We're more concerned about someone that doesn't know us than the one who does know us. Think about it. We, we, we're like, man, if I say this, they're going to think I'm crazy. They think I'm going to cuckoo. Do you, does he even know your name? Does the teller at Publix even know who you are? No, but I, you know, I just don't want people to look at me. Who are they? They're people that God died for. Yet Jesus knows your name. Actually, he doesn't only knows your name. He knows the very hairs on the head. You know, those of you who have hair, he, he knows your hair. He knows what number is 135. One th <laughs> I see some people going, sorry, babe, sorry. So fear intimidation, say fear intimidation. In other words, fear of rejection, fear of failure, fear of commitment are all things that stop people from evangelizing. Number two, number two, now watch this. In an accurate view of God's word or God's nature concerning his great love for people. An inaccurate view. This is why people don't share their faith. An inaccurate view of God's word and God's nature concerning his great love for people. I don't think we fully know the depth, the width, the height, the, the deepness of God's love. Because if we did, we would not hold it back. You know what the Bible says? The Bible says that in Romans uh, chapter 5, it says God demonstrates his own love towards us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. We don't understand the right biblical view of God and his love for people because if we did, we will evangelize everywhere. Do you know that the reason why people don't evangelize, not only because of fear, because they don't have an adequate biblical view of God's love for people. You know what I pray often? Lord, let me see people like you see people. That's a dangerous prayer. That's a I said that's a dangerous prayer because then you will be fueled to do things that your flesh doesn't want to do out of great compassion and love for God's people. Say amen. The third reason why people don't share their faith is up there. Personal spiritual dullness. Now I want to say this because this is, I have found that this is a secret. We're going to have the worship team come up here now if you can. Personal spiritual dullness. Say personal spiritual dullness. What is, what is spiritual dullness and how does spiritual dullness come? Spiritual dullness comes by the carousing and the entertainment of our flesh and worldly things that dominate our lives. Watch this. Watch this. Listen to me. Listen to me. When worldliness and selfishness and sinful desires consume the Christian's life, we will have zero desire to tell people about Jesus. And when we open up our, our hearts to worldliness, our spirit becomes dull. Now, now look, look. Come on, you're not shouting. You're not saying amen. Now, watch, watch this real quick. I know I'm running a little late. But if you could just give me a couple of minutes because we started a little late. I want to get this all out of me. Can I hear an amen? Real quick, look at what Mark chapter 4 says. Uh, the worship team could start coming up. Mark chapter 4, verse 18 verse, and 19, is, Jesus said, the ones that sown among thorns are the ones who hear the word and the cares of this world. The deceitfulness of riches and the desires for other things enter and choke the word and it becomes what? Unfruitful. Real quick, look at Luke, the same, the same principle. Luke chapter 21 verse 34 in the NLT. I told you you're going to be flipping a lot of scriptures today. Right? But I hope you, I'm giving you these scriptures so that something can come alive in you. Look at this. Now, this was powerful because I never heard it this way. In the NLT, look at this. Those of you, look at me. I'm, I'm gonna, everyone look at me for just a second. 
You know why you're not, I'm, just, I'm, not, I'm, gonna, I'm going to add on to just evangelism. You know why you're not passionate for your marriage? You know why not, you're not passionate for the Lord? You know, you know why you're not passionate to tell people about Jesus, right? Is because your spirit has become dull some way or somehow through the eye gate, through your ear gate, or through your heart being crushed. So whatever you allow yourself to see on a regular basis, whatever you allow yourself to hear on a regular basis is dulling your spirit. And nobody with a dull spirit ever wants to tell people about Jesus because you're so in need of your own breakthrough. So we walk around constantly saying Christianity is about me and about my needs. And Christianity is about me getting a breakthrough. And we discredit people who are living in darkness. Look at Luke. Look at Luke. Watch out. Don't let your hearts be what? Remember talk, talk about dull spirit? Dull by carousing and drunkenness and by the worries of this life. Don't let that day catch you unaware. I don't know about you. But I don't want to operate in a dull spirit anymore. You know, Mike Bickle says something powerful one day, and I never forget it. He was talking about the prayer room, right? Think about a room. Think about a room that you sit down, and music is playing in the background, and you're there to encounter God, and you're there for like two hours, right? Listen to me. Listen to me. Don't get distracted. You know what he said? I'll never forget it. Don't you believe, guys, don't you believe that a, a, an atmosphere like a prayer room where you're sitting there for two hours, three hours, four hours with worship constantly. The average Christian would say, wow, that is just glorious. That is beautiful. You know what he said? He said the prayer room is a torture chamber for those who have a dull spirit. <laughs> Did you hear what I said? Mike Pickle said the prayer room is a torture chamber for those who have a dull spirit. For those who have a dull spirit, it will feel like an eternity. Like... And it's like, can I get out of here? And yet worship is going on. Beauty is going on. All this stuff is going on. But when you have a dull spirit, you'll feel like 10 minutes is an eternity. You can be in a room and never engage at all in four hours. And you could be in a room for five minutes and engage in all five minutes. And it's glorious. Let me tell you something. If you have a dull spirit, you will not talk about Jesus. Because you've been convinced that that is your life. Your life is dull. But why is it dull? Is it because God wants to play a trick on you? Or you are not examining what's going through your eyes and through your ears? I'm preaching better than you're saying amen right now. And lastly, I'm going to be real quick. It's spiritual forces at bay. The Bible talks about the God of this world blinding, right? So two things before I, before I, I call a commission to our church. The proclamation of the gospel. Let's put that one of these last uh, um, slides up. Through Jesus, evangelism and outreach will hasten the Lord's return. Look at me. Jesus connects the timing of his coming to proclaiming the gospel to all nations. Hello. Hello. Am I losing some of you? Do you want to hasten the Lord's return? In other words, do you want to quicken the Lord's return? Do you want a culture of the kingdom to not only pray, not only live right, not only live holy, but the Bible, Jesus connects his return to the preaching of the gospel to all nations. 
You say, I don't believe that. I'm glad you did because I'm going to show you the last scripture here. Listen, listen, Matthew 24, verse 7. Here it is. Here it is. I'm going to close with this. For nation, he's talking about the end times, Jesus. For nation will rise against nation. Come on, somebody. Come on. And kingdom against kingdom. And there will be famines and pestilence and earthquakes in various places. Is that happening? Okay. Now watch. And these are all the beginning of sorrows. They will deliver you up to tribulation and kill you. And you shall be hated by all nations for my name's sake. And then many will be offended and will betray one another and hate one another. Then many false prophets will rise up and deceive many. And because lawlessness lawlessness will abound, the love of many Christians will grow cold. It's not the love of many people. He's talking the love of many Christians will grow cold. But he who endures to the end shall be saved. Are you ready for this? I said, are you ready for this? And this gospel of the kingdom will be preached in all the world as a what? Come on, as a what? What did we talk about earlier of the Holy Spirit? And the gospel of the kingdom will be preached to all the world as, the, as, as, a, as a witness to all nations. Then the end will come. Then... The end will come. You want a sign of the last days is when the church gets on fire again and the bride gets on fire again and starts talking to people about Jesus and the Lord says it's almost time. There's things my people all over the world are responding to the gospel message and are boldly declaring. Let me tell you, the Lord is going to anoint end time messengers that are going to be filled with the mandate of God. Why? Because not just because God loves people, because the time is ticking in heaven when the Lord wants to return to get his bride and he wants the gospel to be preached in all the world well the gospel is not going to be preached in all the world if one or two people are only doing it he needs you 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 that's why Isaiah opened his eyes and Isaiah heard a conversation who will I send and Isaiah said send me Lord I hear I'm a prophet but I'm also an evangelist I'm a prophet but I'm also a messenger I want you to send me to the kingdom come on stand up to your feet come on lift up your hands we're gonna pray today for a fresh desire right now for you a fresh desire to see the kingdom come you know what the Bible says we're gonna ask God to stir you up with a fresh desire to open up your mouth for personal evangelism for your neighborhood to be saved do you know and I don't say this to boast if my neighbors were here I could walk out of this building and I would say to you ask them any question about my character ask them any question about me and I could leave in my office and I don't have to hoax them to say something and they will tell you that guy talks to me about Jesus all the time that guy prays for me all the time I, I pray for my neighbors my listen my front neighbors know I'm a pastor they want me they wanted me to pray for their daughter I got out and at night I pray for the daughter my my neighbors on the right they know I'm a pastor every time they're going something Georgie boy come over here we need you to pray for us how do they know that is it because I'm a good speaker is it because I'm extrovert no it's because I took time while they have beer bottles in their hand that doesn't intimidate me I show the love of God and I say the answer to your problem is always Jesus my whole neighborhood knows I'm a man of God doesn't mean I'm a perfect man of God but they know I'm a man of God do you where you live, are you affecting your region?
Oh, glory to God. The Bible says that when Peter and, and the apostles came to the city, they said, these men that came here are turning the world upside down. They're here. Those men that did all that stuff, they're turning the world upside down. It's time to turn your world upside down. It's time to turn your job upside down. It's time to turn your family upside down. It's time to turn a popka. Come on, a popka upside down. It's time. We're here for such a time as this. Open up your mouth, church. Start talking everywhere to Jesus. Acts chapter 1. The Holy Spirit came on them and they became witnesses all throughout the earth talking to Jesus about Jesus everywhere. That includes everyone. Say, I am that person. I am the person that God's going to use to proclaim Jesus to my region. Come on, lift up your hands right now. Uh, we're going to worship right now. Before I let you go, I want to ask a stirring of God to be able to speak with you so that you can have vision to talk about the Lord. Come on. Jesus. 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 Come on, ask the Holy Spirit to give you a desire. Ask the Holy Spirit to give you a desire to speak boldly about Jesus. Come on, a lifestyle of sharing. Come on, say, send me, Lord. Come on, send me, Lord. Wherever I go, send me, Lord. To my family, to my neighborhood, to my job. Come on, I say yes. Lift up your hands right now. Come on. Come on. From the rising sun to the setting same, I will praise your name. Come on, let God speak to you right now. Great is your faithfulness to me. Sing it again. Great is your faithfulness to me. Great is your faithfulness. Come on. The setting, say, I will praise your 
close your eyes for a second. I'm just reminded right now, the Holy Spirit spoke to me when, when Paul the Apostle spoke speaking to his spiritual son, Timothy. And Timothy was known to be a, a, a pastor of the church and a, a, a person that was a steward of the church for some time. He said, do the work of an evangelist. Fulfill your ministry. Here's what I'm going to pray right now. Right now, let's close our eyes and I'm going to pray for you. Lord, that you would give our people the understanding of how you view people. How great, how wide, how deep, how long is your love for your people. And I'm asking today, Lord God, that every place that you have planted us in, in our jobs, in our homes, in our neighborhoods, that we will begin to be a light to speak to people about Jesus. More than just letting our character shine, it is time to hear the voice from heaven that is beckoning your people to say, who shall we send? And it's time that, our, that your people, us, will respond with, send me, Lord, here I am. Here I am, Lord, send me to the marketplace. Send me to my job. Send me to my neighborhood. Send me to the church. Send me to my city. Here's what I'm going to ask. It's going to be a bold prayer that I know that some of you will probably not answer because you say, well, I don't, I don't need to do that. But I'm going to just say a, a bold declaration. And I'm going to close with this, but if that statistic where it said 80% of the Christians surveyed, 60% did not lead one person to the Lord or talk to people about their need for Jesus in a year span. If you're here and you're saying, you know what, I'm a, I'm a counselor, I don't need that, or I'm a businessman, I don't, I don't need this, or I'm a pastor, I'm, my call is to, to pastor the people in the church, not so much out the church, then you're missing the whole gospel. You're missing the gospel of Jesus. The Bible says the Holy Spirit came upon the believers so they'd be a witness everywhere, everywhere. If you're in this room and you say, you know what, I want to answer this and I want to be stirred in my heart to be that one that opens their mouth more. I want to say, I want to, I recognize that I've been silent, that I have a personal responsibility to share my faith. And you say, if that is God speaking to you, I want you to get out of your seats right now and say, I want to re-sign up to share my faith. I want to re-sign up to open my mouth. Come on, amen. I want to re-sign up to say, you know what, no matter where I go, I have a responsibility to tell people about Jesus. And that is everyone in this place. That means even your family, you tell them about Jesus. The rest of you, I hope you're doing it. The rest of you, I really do. Because the Lord wants us to do this. Right now, let's just pray right now. Come on. Grab someone right now and begin to pray that God will fuel your desire for evangelism. Come on. Pray with someone right now. Say, Lord Jesus, stir in me the desire to speak about Jesus. Break every fear. There's a multitude out there. Lord, I'm praying right now in the name of Jesus that you would rid us from selfishness, that you would rid us from the excuse that it's not my calling, that you would rid us, Lord God, from the excuse, Lord God, that this is not my assignment. But Lord, your word says, Lord God, that the coming of the Lord is linked 
to the proclamation of the gospel in all nations. Come on, grab someone and stir their faith. Come on, say, God, let's hold each other accountable. I will open up my mouth. I will open up my mouth and share the goodness of the Lord for people are dying. And I declare right now that I will be a conduit. I will be an instrument. I will open up my mouth in the name of Jesus. Come on, there are people dying. There are people dying. Now listen, listen, listen while you're praying. Lastly, here's what I feel from the Lord. I want you to, I want you to think about the person that you're close to that doesn't know the Lord right now, right now. I want you to think about that person in your neighborhood, that person in your family that doesn't know the Lord. Listen, this is very specific from the Lord. God says, I put them in the sphere of your influence for you to be my mouthpiece to them. Now I want you to think about this. I'm going to close with this, I promise, but I feel this all over me. Who is in your sphere that you, that is on purpose there that you have not said anything about Jesus to? It could be, it could be a small business that you own. It could be an entrepreneur person that you are. And God has placed you around people and you have not said a word. But guess what? God says there's still a second chance today. God wants you to identify them. So right now, before we leave, I want you to identify the people that are very close to you or, or in the sphere of influence that are around you almost every week, at, at least once a week, or at least once a month. And I want you, before we close, to lift up your voice and pray for them right now. Come on, right now, come on, right now, right now. Lift up your voice and pray for them. And call them by name. Father, we declare those that are around us. We declare those that we see every single week in the cubicles of our office. We, those in our Zoom meetings, Lord God, that we do. Those who are in our family that don't know you. Those that we bump into every week and we never say anything. Today, I pray for them. Come on, lift up your voice. I pray for them. Lord, use me to be, to bring conviction use me to share the love of Jesus that all they need to do is turn and surrender their life to Jesus put this burden in my heart I may not have it all together but I pray for them I pray for my brother I pray for my sister I pray for my co-workers I pray for my city listen I pray for my neighbors the whole Lord is highlighting me right now that some of you have not prayed for your neighbors the Lord wants you to actually be a light to your physical neighborhood. Your neighborhood. Jesus, and we repent for staying silent all these years. We repent for making Christianity about us and not about proclaiming the good news of Jesus to people. We are sorry for keeping silent in the restaurants. We are sorry for keeping silent in our workplace. We apologize for keeping silent in our families when people should know that we stand for Jesus. I bless RCC and I ask you, Lord God, to release this conviction in our lives. We bless them and we ask you to fuel this as a desire. Even today, as we leave church, help this message to remain in our hearts that we have a responsibility that if the Holy Spirit has come upon us, then one of those responsibilities is not only to heal the sick or cast out demons, is to be a witness about Jesus to all the nations. If you believe that, say amen. God bless you guys. Give the Lord a big shout of praise. Amen. Those of you who are in the guest service team, remember, guest service people or guest service interest people, see Steve at the end. And God bless you. Hug about five people. God bless you. See you next week.